Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Human Rights Foundation's Dissidents and Dictators podcast. My name is Casey Michelle, and alongside my stupendous co-host, Alicia Maldonado. Say hi, Alicia. Hi, wow, stupendous. We've got a great episode for you today. We have a very special guest in the studio, here with us in person, and listeners of the podcast may be familiar with her name when you hear it. She's a one-of-a-kind force of nature, and she's here to tell us all about her work and how you, that's right, you, can also help. So stay tuned. Casey, how the heck are you? You know, I'm doing okay. I tell you, I got my coffee in my hand. Yeah. We got a gray, dreary day outside in New York. I like it. But it's nice. And again, that's the time of year. That's fine. It happens. You know, this time of year, you got to find a way to just find a little color in your life. You do need some color. A yeah. little bit, a little bit of vibrancy. Yeah. Do you think our office has enough color? In I this don't. Moment? Well, I tell you what, it has now. Yeah. Which folks who come to the office, and hopefully everyone listening will come to the office someday. What, what we got now is the brightest and the pinkest. Yes. Uh, and the bubbliest. And the, 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 the bubble gummiest. The bubble gummiest, uh, On-air neon sign yeah. to let folks uh, around the office know when we're recording. Yeah, I love it. I love, I love it, too. I hope people honor it. I, w- I, I wouldn't put it past them not to. Yeah, likewise. Uh, but they might just sit there in such awe and such reverence of the sign and say, oh, it sounds like they're being productive in there. Yeah, and we usually are. We also have someone in the office today who kind of matches the sign, generally speaking. Well, in terms of, in terms of personality, in terms of characteristic... <laughs> Uh, you know, when I think of her, I think bubblegum. Yeah, me too. And, uh, boy, because who doesn't like uh, a nice slice of bubblegum? Uh, but also the colors. Yeah. My goodness. All the it's colors. It's like being here on a bright spring day. Who's here with, what's her name? Oh, it's Claudia Bennett. Claudia. But wait, wait, wait. The, the, the Claudia from the previous episodes? The Claudia. The Claudia and we've they, been talking and about. And from people. the episodes before that? Yes. We've been, you know, championing her to be on the, to the show. And maybe how did we do that? How did we land her? I don't know how we got her. She's so busy. Yeah. She's got a thousand things she's doing. Taylor Swift said yes, and it took Claudia a couple weeks to get on. A couple uh, months. A couple months, I know. Hi, Claudia. Hi, guys. How's it going? Well, a lot better now that you're here. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Boy. Thank you for bringing color to our office can you, and with can our you, sign. Can you tell us every single color that's on your shirt right now? Uh, I don't know. That might take the 45-minute episode, wouldn't it? So let's, <laughs> oh, maybe not. Yeah, I don't know, about 45 minutes. We've got some pink <laughs> got some orange. Uh, but the point is, you're, he- you're, you're here. In- I really thought you were just like a figment of our collective imagination because no one person can do all that you do uh, and can highlight as many issues and intersections of where the rest of us can actually, again, help out uh, as well as you do. I think that's a very high compliment. Thank you, but I'm not sure that's entirely true. <laughs> it is. Um, even when she's already doing too much, she somehow finds a way to take on more. And then you see her spinning around like a stressed little doll, and she's just like, I don't know why, and it's because she does everything. Claudia, who are you? <laughs> Tell us who you are. What is your title? What do you do here at the Human Rights Foundation? I am a legal and program officer at the Human Rights Foundation, so I am on the legal and policy team, but also the programs team. Um, I work on our impact litigation program and also run our Wear Your Values program. So many things already in just that one response. Can you really quickly just kind of give people some context for what impact litigation means? 
Yeah, absolutely. So our impact litigation team uh, works primarily on submissions to the UN. Uh, we have mostly done petitions and submissions to the UN Working Group on Arbitrary Detention, where we represent prisoners of conscience from our authoritarian regimes who are usually, you know, journalists, opposition leaders, dissidents in their own right. And we uh, submit petitions that we think are symbolic of what's going on in the regime. And we have a lot of success. Um, for every opinion that we have received, we have uh, received a favorable opinion, That's which fantastic. means that the UN has said that the detention is arbitrary. So um, the most recent opinion that we received was Salma al-Shahab. And if you're interested in her case, you should watch our Dare to Dissent video. Um, we can link that in the show. And who is Salma yeah. al-Shahab? Who, who is she again? She is a women's rights activist from Saudi Arabia. Um, she is was actually a PhD student in England at the time of her arrest. Um, she tweeted some very normal things to us sitting in the US, um, and it ended her with 34 years in jail and another 34-year travel ban. Isn't that one of the longest sentences to be given for tweeting, or is it just to women in general? Or? Uh, it was along this, one of the longest sentences ever, wow. period. I, I wonder, Claudia, if we could just kind of bring this back to you for a second. Yeah. Where does this interest, especially on the legal side of things, where does this come from? Where does this stem from? Was there an interaction you had? Was there a professor that you had? Was there a specific story that you'd heard, been exposed to, that set you on this path? What specifically about, especially impact litigation, where does this come from? Um, that's a long, I'll try to give you a short answer. <laughs> that's a long story, but I, um, originally from New Zealand, I grew up in Southeast Asia, and I went to a United World College, which is a series of schools that Nelson Mandela used to be the president of, and they really tried to make sure in our curriculum was all about international relations, human rights. I then went to Bard College because I thought I wanted to be a photojournalist. Um, and I was majoring in art history, human rights and photography at the time. And I decided that I wanted to kind of be more uh, impactful in a different way. I felt that like there were enough people in the world doing photography and um, I just felt my words were more powerful than my photos at some point. I kind of had that switch. Went to Greece, volunteered in Greece for almost a year in the refugee camps during the height of the refugee crisis. Um, sat on the floor of the uh, camp, applied to law school. Um, and then I went to law school and then I came to HRF is the short So I, I think I'm having a better idea of why it is and how it is yeah. you're able to do and accomplish so much just here at HRF. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like there's a history of this. Yeah, I would say so. Um, I also think I was very lucky. My parents were very um, open and... Uh, wanted me to pursue whatever I wanted to and pushed me to follow this kind of, I, I don't like calling it a passion, but I wanted to work in this field. Um, and that's how it happened. So Well, shout out to Claudia's parents. Very cool parents. Can we be friends? Yeah. Well, we'll have to have them on the podcast. You yeah. will um, the meet podcast. them at the Oslo Freedom Forum <gasps> oh. in 2024. And when, when, is, when is the Oslo Freedom Forum going to be again? June 3rd to 5th um, in Oslo, obviously. Um, tickets are available. Get ready. Uh, we'd love to have you all. We already have an amazing lineup of speakers, amazing panels ready to go, and of course, always a little bit of surprise fun ready for the audience. Well, if you see someone running around in a brightly colored shirt, and a great big microphone in her hand. And looks delightfully frazzled. Delightfully frazzled. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> We're trying Just to not be hair. frazzled. <laughs> um, Claudia, so it's Fashion Week. It is. Right? Big deal. And this kind of fits right into your other quote, passion, mm -hmm. which is the We Are Your Values program through HRF. Can you tell us about the program and uh, why it's important? Yeah, so Where Your Values 
uh, essentially marries fashion and human rights. So while you might not intuitively think of those two going hand in hand, uh, Wary Vows is unique in that way. So it's really to hold the fashion industry accountable for their complicity in human rights violations. Um, so think forced labor and other things like that, but also the other side of Wear Your Values is uh, how people in authoritarian regimes use fashion as a way to act be an activist. Mm -hmm. You know, you can wear all white, like the ladies in Belarus or the ladies of Cuba, um, and you or you can wear bright yellow or orange to protest something going on. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of positive, but also negative. We want to show, I mean, fashion is a form of expression. And this also intersects with your previous interest in art in yes, and of itself. absolutely. Uh, again, I think a lot of, obviously, you know, New York Fashion Week is, mm -hmm. is starting um, imminently at this point. And one of the things, obviously, that HRF has done so well, Claudia, thanks to you, as, as well as some of our other colleagues, is really elevate the conversation and the discourse surrounding the usage and utility of fashion, uh, not only in authoritarian regimes, but I think even reminding kind of the rest of us that we all you know, for those like myself that don't seem to have an artistic bone, certainly in my body, <laughs> we still participate in the discourse, in the conversation, you know, in the illustration of fashion each and every day. We're all making fashion-based I mean, we're all decisions. wearing clothes. We're all wearing clothes. A hundred percent. I mean, I have guy friends who will wear black t-shirts and jeans for the rest of their life and will never change, but I they are still that. making... It's a good look. I support It's that. a great look. They look great. Um, they'll love that I just said that, but <laughs> they... You know, if, even if you don't care about quote-unquote fashion, you have to wear clothes unless you live in some society where you don't have to. I don't know. You might if you're a listener. Um, but so we all consume, right? Whether you... Well, if you're, if, and I'll be honest, if you're at a nudist beach, you're not going to have any pockets for your phone to listen. So you got to hold your phone the whole, whole time if you're doing a podcast. And do headphones count as clothing? I don't know. That was a bit unhinged. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Took a turn. Back on track. We're having fun. Um... Claudia Bennett, everyone. <laughs> This is why we keep her around. Um, so, you know, if you buy, so if you have a uniform, maybe you go, you know, buy one bulk every year. Or maybe you're someone who really enjoys fashion and you're ordering things online consistently. But no matter what, you as a consumer have the power. Um, and you have the power to change the brands, change the discourse. Um, and I think it's really important that, you know, this is something that we do every day. And we really, people just kind of forget that it's connected to human rights. And mm -hmm. it... I mean, the kind of crux of this issue at the moment for us at Warrior Values is Uyghur forced labor. Right. Is what Uyghur forced labor? Yeah. Yeah. So um, to give you some background, uh, the Uyghurs are ethnic Turkic minority. Um, and since about 2017, the Chinese Communist Party has been rounding them up into what they call re-education camps in the, re the Uyghur region in northwest China. Uh, these re-education camps, I'm doing the quote. But they're sign. really concentration camps, basically. They're, they're concentration camps and where they are subject to the worst of the worst human rights abuses, uh, torture, constant surveillance, uh, cells meant for five people have 40. Forced sterilization. Yeah, forced abortions, forced sterilization. Um, seriously, the worst of the worst. And part of that is also forced labor, either picking cotton or making the clothes. Mm -hmm. um, one in five cotton garments in worldwide right now is linked to Uyghur forced labor. That is, that is an insane statistic. 20%? 20%. Around the world is linked directly to Uyghur forces. And again, this has been going on for, for years. This isn't something that just happened yesterday. Right. No, it's taken the world, I think, a bit of time to kind of wrap their head around the concentration camps in general. And then because it's so tight-lipped, also taking so much time to even 
you know, survivors of the camps had to, you know, miraculously leave and explain what's going on and things like that. Well, I, I don't think we need to dance around this. This is the biggest concentration camp system the mm -hmm. world has seen since the Holocaust. Right. Ab absolutely. And the UN, the US and other countries have called it a genocide. What's it's happening. genocide. Absolutely. Yeah. They may not be killing each and every one of them, but they are, Beijing is, eliminating, attempting to eliminate Uyghurs as a separate people, as a separate nation. Yes. Trying to erase their identity completely by forcing them to, you know, trying to erase their culture, their their language, um, yeah. their music, their clothing, speaking of. Absolutely. I mean, in these concentration camps, they all have to wear blue jumpsuits. They have to learn uh, the CCP national anthem. They have to learn Mandarin, all these things that aren't, you know. Well, they have to sing these songs about yeah, the, the wonders the of songs. she. I mean, it is just... You can't make this stuff up. Yeah, um, it's appalling. I, I really have no other words for it. Um, but that's why Warrior Values is so important because it is something that you sitting in the US, the UK, Australia, New Zealand can do. The less we buy from China and particularly cotton garments from the Uyghur region, the more they're gonna lose control. And we need to speak up. Well, speaking of that, I don't know if you saw this piece uh, you may have done in the Sourcing Journal. Uh, the headline is China's exports, U.S. exports are seeing the biggest drop in 30 years. And, you know, interestingly, it starts off with asking the question is, is China losing its grip as the world's factory? Um, and it goes on to say that some of the measures uh, that the United States has been making has contributed to this drop, but namely the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act, uh, UFLPA, which essentially bars any products made in whole or in part in China's Uyghur Autonomous Region. Now, Xinjiang is, is the term for that region that the CCP prefers to use, so we try not to use it. Um, but it's also led to U.S. fashion companies to reduce their exposure. Can you talk about that a little, that a little bit and maybe put that in context to... Uh, Fashion Week coming up, but because uh, fashion brands are trying to, or having to, then kind of adhere to this measure that's been put in place. Yeah, absolutely. So the UFPLA uh, was enacted about almost three years ago, um, and it essentially it's the best legislation we have worldwide right now. It is by no means perfect. Being a lawyer, I obviously think legislation equals compliance, and clearly, according to this article, we are getting compliance. Um, the issue with the main issue with it and how I will tie this back to Fashion Week is you have to have a shipment of over $800 to be flagged. So while these, you know, luxury fashion brands might be bringing in clothes to debut at Fashion Week, they're not going to be sending in $800 worth of clothing. And also a lot of them will be like bringing it themselves in their suitcases from Paris or Italy or wherever. And it's like they're not going to get flagged. Mm -hmm. And therefore there's probably Uyghur Saber on the runways this week. Clyde, do we know what this eight? This seems like a little bit of an arbitrary number right here. I mean, why not? I, I would like I would like zero dollars worth of Uyghur forced labor. What, where did eight hundred come from? Um, I honestly, it is pretty arbitrary, and I don't really know. It just has like that is the the number I guess Customs has decided is worth going through. But it's um it's it's very funny to me because a lot of Uyghur forced labor, not all, and I want to make that very clear, um, is linked to fast fashion. So like take Shein or Zara. If a single person was to order $800 worth of Shein, you'd probably buy in the entire store. Right. As, as right. someone who knows uh, approximately nothing about the fashion industry, Shein and Zara are uh, models. They are... Uh, they are brands, they are so sorry. Brands. <laughs> They're brands. Um, typical fast fashion brands, the ones that, um, you know, I 
I want to emphasize that like if you own those in your closet, please don't go and throw them out. That's causing another issue that we don't want to cause. But um, yeah, those two have been named as the top brands that are using Uyghur Force Labor through research, yeah. uh, newspaper articles. Like these are the two that really we know. Well, there are all these other issues with fast fashion in and of itself in terms of, of consumption, in terms of in terms of uh, a refuse. Uh, but Sheen and Zara are two at the top of the list as far as you have seen, you have researched in terms of linkages and usage of Uyghur forced labor? Yes, and also the Coalition to End Forced Labor in the Uyghur region, which HRF is a member of, um, it uses those two as kind of opposite of a gold standard, the horrible mm -hmm. standard mm -hmm. of brands. That, very rusty standard. You know, and yeah, even rusty. Moldy standard. And it's so interesting, too, because Zara's sort of build as, or at least as I understood it, and I have owned clothes from Zara because it used to be the thing. I remember when I first moved to New York about 14 years ago, it was... Oh, if we can get something from there, because it's not massively expensive, but it gives you, it's not, it doesn't feel like H&M or Old Navy where, you know, things are cheaper. Um, so you feel like you're kind of fashionable, but, you know, so it's interesting to, to, see, to hear that they're, they're one of the biggest abusers and kind of unfortunate, not kind of, it is unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, Sheen's a little more blatant in June yeah. last year or July last year, apologies. Um, they actually took influencers from the US and UK and took them through what was essentially a fake factory to prove that they weren't using Uyghur force You are labor. kidding me. No, I am not kidding. Now, this was later investigated and they were found out? Um, yeah, I mean, the influencers being influencers were like taking videos and taking photos and going about their days and being like, woo, I'm in China. And it was like purely, they definitely took them to other factories that so were like clean and no forced labor and like living wages and people can go back to their families, which is just... Not true. Good Lord. So what has Sheen's defense for all of this been? I mean, okay, so they're setting up these fake factories, but what are they saying in terms of certain policies or, or how are they defending themselves? A whole lot of no comment. Um. A whole lot of mm, not sure. They also just recently, or not recently, they now are headquartered in Singapore, which is a whole more interesting kind of layer to this because it's kind of like, are you trying to move away from China or are you just diverting all of this negative attention? Unclear. Mm. Um, but... They're definitely like the cotton and the products are manufactured. It gets a little more milky with other brands. Um, like tracing supply chains is, comp is really, well, really difficult. Supply chain difficult. transparency yeah. regardless yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, of the industry. And certainly we've seen that the last few years. Uh, all kinds of supply chain issues. This is the exact same in the cotton industry. Right. It's complicated. Like you can go into a store and it says made in Italy, but you don't know if like the last stitch was made in Italy. Right. Or like... Where was the material initially sourced anyway, right. let alone where it was actually made? A hundred percent. Was the was the collar added in Italy? Like, or like, you know, a leather touch was added mm -hmm. in Italy and then the rest of it was made in China or Vietnam or Sri Lanka or Bangladesh. Like, all these places where... Um, I mean, Uyghur Force Labor is a huge issue because of the ongoing genocide, but I also want to emphasize that there are all these other countries where forced labor is taking place all the time. Do you want to talk to us about the Shein IPO? Do you want to give us a deets on that? Yeah, I mean, Shein's trying to IPO for billions and billions of dollars. Um, I encourage anybody listening to not invest in them, given everything that's wrong mm -hmm. with them, whether it be Uyghur forced labor, environmental concerns. Um, quite frankly, uh, from what I know, I have never ordered from them. Uh, the the clothes might last you two hours. The, the so. quality is terrible. Honestly. Well, that is fast fashion. I, I um, goodness. You know, before I worked here and before I before I was even familiar with you know. A friend had given me some clothes that she had ordered from Shein, and who knew? And they are 
garbage. Just to I say mean, they are. Yeah, like, just like it sounds like the company is for participating yeah, just, in a genocidal campaign just like that. Uh, against a colonized nation in uh, uh, in Xinjiang in East Turkestan. You know, yeah. while they're forcing these people to make all of these things and, and rushing it through, it's just... It's just true. So we have the IPO yeah. coming up for Sheen. I imagine, well, there, has there been any pressure from potential investors? No, uh, not investors, but um, senators in the U.S. have taken some action. Um, and HRF extremely supports this, uh, all for it. And even most recently, uh, the China's Securities and Cybersecurity Commission or something along those lines is investigating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure what their motive is, whether they want to try and stop it to protect their interests. Um, but it's going to be really interesting. We, I mean, if it goes forward, please do not invest. And at the moment, if we can keep stalling, let's do it. Um, it would be horrific for them to IPO. We have the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act in the United States. Correct. Are, is there any other similar legislation elsewhere either enacted or proposed in any other Democratic state uh, comparable to what we've seen in, in Washington? Yeah, so the EU's got a proposal. Um, it's going to be a huge year, I believe, given the amount of, like, we've got the most elections this year. Of, of some, it's insane. So actually, I'm they're kind of waiting, of what I've read, to wait until the election season. But I'm hoping that other countries, I mean, my home country of New Zealand, I'm like, what are you guys doing? Let's mm -hmm. go. Mm -hmm. um, Australia as well. Places that, you know, Portugal, Spain, Italy, all of these places that, we're way, way ahead of like wanting to have homegrown fashion and clothing. Mm -hmm. You know, the amount of New Zealand and Australia designers that people in the U.S. have no idea about that are so focused on making sure where they're, they're environmentally sustainable, they're, there's no forced labor, they're, you know, kind of one-off pieces that people can wear and have fun with and express themselves. So I'm like, but you need legislation because with legislation comes compliance and it's just... We need everyone to get on board. It can't just be the people who love fashion and, you know, want to wear that one-off piece. This is this may be an unfair question, but do you think we've just kind of gotten accustomed to having things that are cheap, easy, disposable, immediate, yeah. immediate uh, and in, frankly, whatever color we want as well? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, I absolutely think so. But I have complete faith Gen Z is leading this charge. Yeah. Gen Z is leading this charge. And I think while their focus for the most part, is on the environmental sustainability. I want to just emphasize these go hand in hand. Like I, again, I'm not asking people to go throw away their clothes, but fast fashion is bad for human rights violations and bad for the environment. So if we can scrap it, we should get rid of it. And, you know, the more we all start, we keep talking about this and we keep bringing up this issue and just exposing people to it because Half the time I like talk to someone and they're like, who are the Uyghurs? Where are they? Right. Like, this cannot be happening. That sounds so outrageous. I'm like, here is X, Y, and Z article. You, I don't need to prove anymore. Um, so yes, I, I do. But I think we're starting to, the tides are turning. Well, I was going to say, so it sounds like there is room for optimism, despite the gargantuan issues at play. Yeah. We see this kind of gurgling, burbling momentum, especially out of the younger set, about identifying where these clothes are made. Beyond that, the sustainability concerns. But obviously, these go hand in hand, as you just said. Yeah, I mean, Casey, you're in this world. If you are not optimistic, there's no point you sitting in this Oh, office. if you're not laughing, you're going to cry. <laughs> so we have to be optimistic. We have to know that this is going to end, and hopefully in my lifetime, hopefully in the next five years. If I'm out of a job, 
Cool. Yeah. Like, that's what we all hope for. Exactly. We'd love to have HRF shut down someday. <laughs> We'd love to no longer be relevant or of any kind of need. Exactly. And also, if you're, you know, you should talk about uh, our, our plugin because if you're really passionate about the, this, these issues and, and, you know, there are some things that you can do and, and we have a tracker that helps you kind of, that helps you do that. Yeah, absolutely. So we have what's called the Week of Full Saber Checker. It's a Google Chrome extension and it essentially pops up when you go to a website that's likely tainted with Week of Full Saber and prompts you and asks you if you still want to shop here. So if you go to Zara.com, it'll pop up and be like, this brand is likely using Uyghur for Slaver. Do you want to continue? And you have to consciously say yes. So while, mm -hmm. yes, okay, it's clicking a button, we click how many buttons a day, but it really, you know, I hope everyone kind of stops at least for, you know, five seconds and thinks about it. Um, and we add brands, you know, as soon as we get more information, there's a huge amount of research that goes into adding brands. The coalition supports us on this. And yeah, it's just a way for you to double check the brands. What about any other recommended, I don't know, reading sources or other sources that might be available to consumers who might be interested in, in this topic or even just sourcing where the clothes are from? Yeah, I mean, there are, the coalition's always a good starting point. Um, the checker's a good starting point. Honestly, I would just ask your brands. Like, there are many brands, like, in the teeny tiny little font that say like, we no longer take, you know, we definitely don't source from cotton or no longer source cotton from the Uyghur region, things like that. But if you have a brand that you die hard for, email them, ask them because no response is, or like kind of a lackluster response of like, we don't know where our supply chain's from is a response in itself. And therefore you might need to go find a more, another favorite brand because um, I've emailed many brands who give me this kind of like, mm, we're not so sure. And I'm like, if you really cared about this and really cared about human rights, you would have an answer. I guess I'm just in, I'm still kind of, you know, frazzled that a brand would come back and say, we're not sure if we are sourcing directly from an it's mind boggling genocide. Yeah. Sorry. That's the best we've got. It's a very paltry answer. Yeah. I'm also kind of like, like, are you not thinking forward enough that you would train your employees to at least give me some sort of answer? It's also like, I send an email that says Human Rights Foundation. Like, they're a thing, like, they know I'm coming after them, right? Like, I get little LinkedIn notifications like, this person at X brand has been looking at you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they have. Um, and it's kind of funny. And I think it's, it's important to note that um, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, is of course aware of its own abuses and doesn't want other people to become so, um, in so much as they attacked our Uyghur, uh, our tracker, um, last in August, they were sending hundreds and hundreds of thousands of bots in to, uh, attack it basically, deter people from downloading it, preventing well, you from learning the truth. There was a story in, uh, I believe it was Bloomberg. It was News. Bloomberg. Yeah. yeah. Sure Bloomberg ran that. that yeah. In the link notes. Yeah. yeah. We, um, it, it started around, we flagged it around May just before off last year. And I kept like checking cause sometimes, you know, technology doesn't do what we want it to do. So I was like, oh, with like 500 dropping, maybe that's just like a glitch. And then I, you know, I have a, a spreadsheet that tells me, I checked it every day and it was like 100 down, 200 down, 500 up, 200 down. And I was like, okay, something is going on. So yeah, I'm, and then we started seeing the reviews. So it was first just the lack of downloads. And then it was like these reviews being like, this is outrageous. This is no help. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was definitely, I mean, I, I can't say with a hundred percent certainty, but my gut tells me, which is usually right, that it was CCP bots. But hey, we're doing something right. Yeah. If they want to come after me, let's if, go. If um, you know you're CCP doing is coming after you, is coming after your, keep on, uh, keep uh, your on. tracker, whatever it might be. Uh, it sounds like we're on the right track here. I think we are. I think we are. Also, I mean, luckily, I don't have family in China or the Uyghur region. Like, I can be outspoken and, like, mm -hmm. I don't 
hopefully, touch wood, have many consequences to that. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, look, if they're ready to talk, I'm here. Some of the Uyghur camp survivors that we have in our network at HRF are among the most bravest I know. people, often women, that I have ever met in my entire... I mean, they have more bravery in their pinky yeah. than I will ever know. I mean, yeah. it is just incredible to see that in person, to hear this in person, obviously, and then beyond that, connect to what we're talking about today. Yeah, absolutely. In the show notes, we can put a few of the talks, but uh, Johar Ilham, who's the daughter of the imprisoned Uyghur scholar um, Ilham Toti, she spoke in 2022. Last year, we had Golbaha and Kalbana, who were both in the camps in different um, circumstances. They spoke... Um, get ready for tears for all of those mm -hmm. speeches. They just, yeah, the tears will be flowing. But um, we can definitely put them in the show notes. Uh, they can explain the situation, tell their stories way better than I will do it justice. So I'm going to let you do that yourselves. So, I wish I do. Claudia, let's look forward a little bit. Is there anything that you are watching, you're paying attention to on the legislative side? Obviously, you talked about this IPO coming up for Sheen. Any other developments that folks should be uh, aware of in the not-too-distant future? Um, yeah, I think the Sheen IPO is a big one. I think um, looking at European fashion weeks, like I know mm -hmm. probably most of our listeners are in the US in New York, but look at London, Copenhagen, Paris, they have they are leading the charge with making sure that sustainable and ethical fashion is on the runway. And I think that is something we need to look for. If you are interested in fashion, please just like double check your brands know where they stand, like, just use our checker and make sure that you are you know, just alluding to these things and have conversations with your friends. Half your friends will not know about this, more than half probably. Um, and then as for where your values, I think we want to keep fighting for the end of Uyghur Force Labor. We talked about Sheen. We talked about Zara. I guess I should ask, are there any brands you want to celebrate, elevate? Yeah, um, there are actually. <laughs> there are some positives, don't worry. Um, obviously, any um, local brand. I mean, there's tons coming out of India, particularly, that are, you know, handmade uh, clothing, um, you know, homemade dyes and things like that that are just gorgeous if you're into color like I am. Um, Reformation is a big one in the U.S. They are, their quote is like, we're the next sustainable thing after being naked. So they're really good. We have a great relationship with them. Um, and there are a few others that you can really like dive into the nitty gritty of. Um, we're hoping to put a few of them on our website to try and, with their permission, of course, to try and really elevate them. Okay. So Looking there, forward are, to that. there yeah. are some positives out there. I don't want to be like negative Nancy on this podcast, no. but um, <laughs> yeah, again, don't go throw out your stuff. Don't, you know, just think twice. Just, you know, take a little millisecond before you walk into that Zara on Fifth Ave or wherever it might be. I think that's, I think that's a great MO, you know, a, a, a great idea to have for a lot of what we're doing, a lot of what we're purchasing, yeah. a lot of what we're writing, a lot of what we're posting. Just take that second. Yeah. Take that step. And also, you know, we, we've got some other cool programs too, which we can share and um, that, that touches on this, at dis Discounted Lives and some cool um, projections we did around last year's Fashion Weeks. So we can share those. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, Discounted Lives was originally an installation at last year's South by Southwest, and it kind of evolved. Mm -hmm. um, we took it to the Oslo Freedom Forum. Can you give a quick descriptor for what Discounted Lives is? Yeah, so um, we might need to attach a visual um, based on my... It's easier to see than it is yeah, putting the words. Yeah, but it's essentially, it started as two racks of clothing with identical white t-shirts. One rack was is priced at $4.99, the other rack is priced at $44.99. Um, one made in China, one made in democracy. Exactly the same t-shirts, all ethically sourced, don't worry. Um, and in the middle was a receipt printer. And on the receipts, you can see 
portraits of those detained in the camps sourced from the Zhejiang police files, which were quite literally a whistleblower smuggled them out of the Uyghur region. And they ended up in... Still gives me goosebumps just hearing about it now. I know. And then they were given to an NGO in D.C. And now we have access to them and have permission to use them, which is just fantastic. Um, it has all the information about why they were interned, quote unquote. How old they are. How old they, they are. How like, been there. you know, there's 13 year olds, there's 75 year olds, you know, and everything in between. Um, and then also it's it's a play on a CVS receipt. So there's this long list of all the human rights violations that are going on. And um, the tagline is what you save costs them everything because it's true. Um, and I understand that, you know, you have to be at a certain privilege to buy more expensive clothing. And that's kind of one of my other missions is to make sure that like the fashion industry starts to realize that like there shouldn't be this huge discrepancy between fast fashion and luxury fashion. Mm -hmm. We need to cater to the middle because that's where most people are at. And it's the reason why people go to those places like Zara and... A hundred percent. Well, Claudia, we covered a lot of ground today. And, and look, I gotta be honest, I can't imagine there's anything else you would want to, t- I mean, you, you do so much already. There can't be anything else you want to talk about. Um, there's one little thing that I want to thank the listeners for, because I'm sure some of them played a big part in it. Um, we did end up winning two of the Anthem Awards um, in the Human Rights and Civil Rights category. Oh, we won the Silver, so big thanks to the Anthem Award judges. Um, and also we won the Community Voice Award, which was definitely help from the listeners today. Or- and, and what are the Anthem Awards? So the Anthem Awards are a brainchild of the Webbies that are a huge digital award ceremony that happen every year. And the Anthem Awards is focused on civil and human rights and um, just kind of like the do-gooders. Um, so we're really excited. Um, also, obviously, a huge shout out to Cultivated Content Labs, who helped produce the video for us. Um, it is for our Worry About program video, so it's kind of encompassing of what we've talked about today. Mm-hmm. So it touches, it, we have some connective tissue here. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, you know, if you need to show a friend or a family member or a random person on the street a five-minute clip of what this is, this that's the place to do it. Um, and, yeah, we're just really excited. Um, it'll definitely kind of lift us up one more notch to keep doing this amazing work and make sure we are supporting the people who are currently detained because there's over a million of them. Well, Claudia? Claudia. I think you're stupendous. I, I hope you get some sleep <laughs> at some point. That's what I hope for. No, it's okay. Thank you for being on our show today. Thanks for coming by. I can't believe we got her on. We finally <laughs> did it. Oh, next. it took long enough. Do you know who's next? No. Harry Styles. Oh, yeah. That's, well, that'll be a step down. Um, oh, yeah. Wait, <laughs> well, before we go really quickly, I just wanted to give a shout out to our old colleague, Mariana, who's now over with our friends at Ideas Beyond Borders. We told her we'd give her a little hello. So hello, Mariana. Hi, Mariana. We hope you miss us a lot. We miss you. Yes, we do. I'll see you guys next week. Definitely you, Casey. Oh, that's right. I'll be <laughs> The Human Rights Foundation is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization that promotes and protects human rights globally with a focus on closed societies. We promote freedom where it's most at risk in countries ruled by authoritarian regimes.